Hi guys, my name is Brendan Patrick, and you're listening to Superlit. storm is called toby the nor'easter that's happening right now so i'm coming to you from a very very cold house so this week we are doing the addition to last week's episode of they both die at the end by adam silvera and yeah we left off right after mateo and rufus go to visit mateo's mother's grave and i wanted to cut up the uh, podcast into two parts just because I felt like it would be easy, like an easier listening experience, if you will. And also the part that we just finished doing was, it was a pretty thick like portion of the book, if I'm holding it right. Yeah, it's a pretty thick chunk. So um, it's a pretty big listening experience. And there's a lot to take in with Adam Silvera books. That's kind of the reason why I love him as a writer. He honestly uh, really does an astounding job of making you want to sit and read and like work your way through this because it's not all just given up at once. Um, I'm sitting at a different table today, <laughs> so I'm probably going to be hitting my knees a lot. Ew. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So the broken up part. So part one was kind of, it didn't have a lot of spoilers in it and that's kind of the way I wanted it to be. And then part two, um, I feel as though I can do a little bit more spoilers. I'm not going to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to reveal um, the actual ending of the book. Uh, that's something that I do. I don't do here on this podcast. I don't give the full ending away, um, just because I feel like it's not fair to people who still want to read the book. Um, and I always suggest that you go out and read the book, even if I've spoken to you about it. Even if I've spoken about the book, I still suggest you going out and reading it, just because my uh, speaking about it is not the real like experience, you know. But the chapter that we're not the chapter the we're starting on part three now and part three is called the beginning and there's a quote from uh, a Roman emperor I can't pronounce his last name Aurelius probably but the quote is it is not death that man should fear but he should fear never beginning to live so part three starts off with a chapter from Matteo and it is him talking about how he's done a lot of goodbyes already. Um, and the most important goodbye that he has done is to pass Mateo. So Mateo, um, I don't want to say that he's a scaredy cat, but he's been afraid to live his life just because his mother died at a very young age. So he's lived his life kind of in fear of dying. And now at a very young age, he's dying and he's trying to live all of his life at once with his last friend, Rufus. And uh, Rufus has really gotten him to open up a lot more. And as the book progresses, he begins to open up like quite a bit. So after that chapter... 
they go into a Rufus chapter and it goes into him uh, to Rufus kind of explaining that he kind of feels um, like his family didn't really attempt to escape their fates. So as he's getting like after the car accident, his parents are trying to get him out of the car so he can survive and they don't really attempt to survive themselves. And I think he feels kind of like he feels bad about it. Like he feels guilty that like he wasn't the one driving. He wasn't the one, you know, um, trying to fight for them. But it's a, it's a chapter that goes with, with, uh, Rufus and Mateo kind of talking back and forth about this. And Mateo's like, this wasn't your fault. Like it was never your fault that like they didn't die because of you. Like this isn't, if you had driven, like it wouldn't have changed what happened. It still would have happened. So, um, Mateo takes Rufus down to this pier to help like confront Rufus's fears about the water and kind of like not he he can't spread the ashes, but it's kind of like he's coming to terms with what happened. So because he got his closure with his mother and like talking to his mother at her grave, Mateo wants Rufus to have that same kind of closure with his parents that he might he he didn't really get. And um he eventually caves and cries like really hard at the pier where he's like finally able to grieve, which I think, um, I think that was Mateo is, uh, described to be like really thoughtful throughout the book. And he's really like, I don't, maybe selfless isn't the right word, but I think this part of it was kind of my favorite thing that Mateo had done for Rufus at this point, just because it's beautiful that he's like, Hey, you're afraid of the water and you never really got to, you know, talk about, this thing and you never got to like confront it head on. And I want you to be able to do that because if I'm confronting my fears of living my life today, then so are you. And that's the cool thing about Mateo in this aspect is that Rufus is very much like more of an outgoing person. And it's interesting that Mateo is the one that's like kind of forcing him to like lit, like come to terms with this thing that happened and like be upfront about it and be honest and then the next chapter, okay, this is kind of where it starts getting crazy. So the next chapter is Delilah Gray chapter, and it's very short. It's maybe like two paragraphs at most. And the next chapter right afterwards is a chapter about a guy named Vin Pierce. I believe this is the only chapter you get with him, but this guy wants to be the next like world heavyweight champion, and he can't do it because he has uh, issues with his muscles now. And he got the death cast call this morning at 12.02. And it's now 12.55 p.m. And he's going into the gym that he, like, wanted to, like, make it happen at. And he, I believe he has a bomb with him. Yep, homemade bomb out of his gym bag. So this gym is right next to a bookshop that that the boys are in and also uh, that Delilah Gray has just gone through. So in the bookstore, Rufus asked if anyone, if Mateo has ever dated anyone. Mateo's like, no, I haven't. So they're like trying to feel each other out a little bit more. And we're like 237 pages in at this point. And again, the interesting thing about this book is that their sexuality isn't something that's like brought up a hundred different times. Um, And it's, like I said, it's not really the main focus of this book, but they're in the bookstore and Delilah just left. So they're looking at books together and Mateo buys um, postcards so he can mail them to friends. And while he's like looking through the, 
while he's like looking through the books, the boys are talking about relationships, like I said before. And uh, Mateo admits that when he was asking his dad when he was a kid, like what love was and like how he knew what it was. Uh, let me read the quote. So when I was nine, I bothered my dad about love. I say, looking through the postcards again at places in my own city I never visited. I wanted to know if it was under the couch or high up in the closet where I couldn't reach yet. He didn't say love was, <laughs> love is within or love is all around you. Rufus wheels his bike beside me as we pass the gym. I'm hooked. What did he say? That love is a superpower that we all have, and it's not always a superpower I'd be able to control, especially as I got older. Sometimes it'll go crazy, and I shouldn't be scared if my power hits someone I'm not expecting it to. My face is warm, and I wish I had the superpower of common sense because this isn't something that I should have ever said out loud. That was stupid. Sorry. <laughs> so the boys are looking at like uh, postcards, and they're talking about this, and it's a super cute interaction. Because Rufus is very, like, more, like, outgoing with his, his feelings. Like, he'll talk about things. Whereas Mateo doesn't really... I don't think he really knows how to, like, talk about it. And he's very shy. Um, I think he really wants... Uh, I think he wants someone else to make the first move on him. <laughs> and then at the bottom of that page, Rufus asks, How do you know when love is love? And as he's responding, a bomb goes off. The boys and Delilah are caught in it. And at the bottom of the page, it seems like Delilah's dying. So they're both caught in this explosion right outside the gym because they've stepped out at this point. And Delilah's just about to leave, and she gets caught in the explosion as well. So the explosion happens. Both Mateo and Rufus and then uh, Delilah are also caught in this. So right after that, I'm like, oh, well, I guess Delilah is done for um, because she's... She's bleeding out in like a, a a rain puddle right next to them. So right after that, it's like a few really short chapters between Rufus and Mateo. And right after that, uh, Rufus is like, "Yo, I need to I need to get on this bike. Like, we need to go. Um, I got a ride after what went down there." And Mateo's like, "I can't do it." And um, Rufus is like, "I don't want to leave you. Please just get on the bike. I promise you'll be safe." So he finally convinces him after like a million chan- like tries to get on the bike with them, and they ride down to, I believe it's the park, the park that they both love, I believe. And uh, the chapter right afterwards is uh, someone named Deirdre, and Deirdre is actually the girl that works at the Make a Moment place, and she's the one that was at the front desk when the boys went in to do like the skydiving. And she is, she's feeling really shitty about her life and she's on the top of her building and she wants, she wants to end it all. And as she's looking down, she sees two boys on a bike ride by and she's like, oh, those look like the, the Deckers that I helped earlier this, like today. And she decides after seeing them, she's like, you know what? I'm not going to kill myself. Like if they're living their best life, I should be too. And it was really interesting to throw that in because it's not, the cool thing about this book is that the chapters that aren't the boys, they're very, um, they're unexpected. So yeah, Deirdre's chapter is just like a really interesting, like, oh, we're going to throw this in and it, it works really well. And that's the cool thing about the Adam Silvera like style of writing in this book is that each of the like random, like subplot chapters all work really well within the book. And I think if you were to take like some of them out, like Deirdre's chapter was really cool to read. 
Um, just because seeing the boys living their lives, even from like high up on the roof where she's about to throw herself down and it wasn't someone like actually interacting with her. It's just her seeing something and saying that like, maybe this isn't the time. And after that is a Mateo chapter and it's him going, this bike isn't the worst thing. Like that's the first part. And it's actually like, it's cute. Uh, because <laughs> how do I say it? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm reading this through again and I didn't catch this the first time. And I think my, yeah, I didn't make any chapters on, like notes on this chapter. The bottom part of this page is like him, like kind of saying like, I guess he's admitting to himself that like he wants to be like closer to Rufus, but he's like, if I weren't such a coward or decker, I would lean against Rufus, shifting my weight against him. I'd put my arms out and close my eyes, but it's too risky, so I keep holding him. It's just like, ah, uh, just do it. Just do the thing. <laughs> and then right afterwards, uh, yes, they're in Althea Park. So um, right after that, uh, they uh, they wind up in Althea Park, which is the two, like, it's both their favorite park. That's where Rufus wants his ashes scattered, and that's just, like, the park that Mateo's dad used to take him to all the time. So while they're in the park, they do something called uh, Gladiator on the Jungle Gym, and it's... Uh, Jungle Gym Gladiator isn't crazy like an, like an age-old Coliseum match. But I've seen schoolmates get hurt before. Hell, I'm the reason some of them got hurt. Two players, gladiators, swing from the monkey bars into each other to try to knock the opponent down. It's like the most barbaric childhood game. Mad fun. So they decide to do that. I've never played that, but I'm pretty sure I've seen kids doing that before. Yeah, I feel like I definitely did see kids doing that, eating shit right afterwards. That's amazing. But they're like, they're kind of... uh, they're just like having a really great like experience together. And while they're having like their cute like conversation, this is something that uh this keep like so in the Adam Severa books, there's always a character that's like, promise me you're not gonna die, which is just like the worst thing because it always happens. That's just, all of Adam Silvera's books are sad. And they're talking about how Rufus has had like a really rough couple of months. And Mateo's like, you're not going to kill yourself today, right? And Rufus is like, no, I'm safe for myself. um, But please promise you won't go dying before me. I can't see that. And Mateo's like, only if you promise me the same thing. And they're they're both just like, well, we can't promise each other that because it's going to happen. So after that, like during that conversation, um, a handball bounces their way. Mateo races past Rufus to catch it. He throws the guy the ball and... The kid starts asking about Rufus's bike. He's like, oh, like, I really want to get a new bike. Mine got wrecked, and I just have to save up for it. So after that conversation, Rufus is like, you know what? Why don't you take my bike? And the kid's like, you're fucking with me. He's like, no, just take my bike. I don't need it. I'm not, I'm not going to need it anymore. So Rufus gives up his, like, most prized possession, and Mateo's just like, holy shit. Which I think was like he, that's like huge character growth for Rufus to give up something that he like holds so near and dear to him, and Rufus is like, yeah, I got one last good ride out of it. Like I won't need it anymore after today. Right after that, the boys are sitting on the swings talking, and uh, they start talking about like big changes in the park, like how this is like their park of big change, and. Mateo's like, any other big changes today besides the obvious? It's like, yeah, what? 
I smile over at him as our swinging comes to a stop. I gave up my bike. I know what he's really asking, but I don't take the bait. He's got to make a move himself. I'm not robbing him of that moment. It's too big. I stay seated as he stands. Weird how this is the last time I'll be in this park with flesh and a heart that works. So I, I'm not kidding. I, this is why it's, I'm glad I have like notes and markers because the first time I looked at this, uh, like this chapter, the first time I read through it, I really didn't understand that like moment, that moment of, um, Rufus being like, I'm not going to take this from him. And I think it's because I was just like, I was reading it and I was not gathering all the information at the same time. (laughs) But I think that was just something that I like overlooked and now I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh shit. But it's just like, granted, that's not as subtle as everything else in this book, but that's something so subtle that I'm reading. I'm like, oh, I, I think I know what this means, but I could be wrong. And as we're getting like closer to the end of the book, we're still in part three, but you start like picking up more on things like that and their like feelings for each other start coming more into play. After that really uh, cute interaction, um, there's a chapter about someone named Damien, and he is another person in Peck's gang, and he wants to take care of Rufus himself. And... Uh, he is an adrenaline junkie, so he's always like on new roller coasters every summer. Um, he's always stealing candy from drugstores and cash from his father's pouch, um, and he's always fighting those who are the Goliathist David. And he's he's pissed off that Peck called the cops because he's like, we could have handled this ourselves. Like we can take care of this kid, and he wants to take care of Rufus himself. Like he wants to beat the shit out of him. And I'm just like, every time there's a chapter that's about Peck's gang, I'm just like. No, stop. So uh, every one of those chapters makes made me feel anxious, which is, I think, one of the driving like factors of me reading. Because I'm like, oh, that was a cute chapter. Then I'm like, who's this character on the next page? And I read it. I'm like, oh crap. So you have to you have to keep reading. It's just it's it's, it's hard to put the book down. And then after that, the boys uh, decide to hide out from the rain by going into the subway system again. So they hop on a train, and they're playing. Uh, Rufus is like, let's play a game. And Mateo's like, not Gladiator again. And Rufus is like, no, it's a game called Traveler. I used to play with Olivia. Make up stories about another passenger, where they're going, and who they are. So this is like one of my favorite things I think about Rufus is this he starts like creating, and they're like really, they're, they're pretty funny and like um, amazing stories about these uh, other people on the train. And then they start doing it to themselves. Um, they start kind of talking about like these fake futures that they could have, almost like they were dating. <laughs> and uh, it's it's just like really amazing. Honestly, it it was it was a nice like lighthearted chapter right bef- right after that uh that kind of uh anxiety driving one the, the the one that gave me a lot of anxiety and they'd start talking about like tattoos they would have rufus would have a bike tire mateo would have a male seahorse because his dad raised him and that's something that male seahorses do and after that they leave so mateo decides to leave a book that he picked up at the bookstore that was like it was a wrapped up one and it's supposed to be a it's, it was like a wrapped up book, so it's like a mystery book, so you don't know which book you're getting when you buy it, which is actually kind of like a cool idea. Um, there is a chapter 
called, there's a chapter for a character named Zoe, or Zoe, it's Z-O-E. I always confuse that for Zoe, but it could be Zoe. But uh, it's a chat. She uh, she gets the death cast phone call at twelve thirty four a.m. and she is a new co- like NYU college student and she is all alone. She doesn't have any friends. Um, her family isn't nearby, and she was supposed to begin her classes today, like that day. And she meets a friend named Gabriella through the Last Friend app. And Gabriella is actually the one that does the graffiti posts of her last friends. So I think I spoke about that earlier in the last podcast about how there was a woman that goes around and does the graffiti postings of their last friends. And they find the book on the train and Zoe is afraid that it's going to be something bad. And uh, Gabriella is like, no, it's a surprise book. Like it's, it's something cool. Like we should like, I'll take this. And also like we should do uh, the graffiti thing. So she talks to her about the graffiti, which is really, I thought like a really fun chapter. And then after that, Mateo decides that he wants to reach out to Lydia because he, he feels like he left off at a bad point and he wants her to spend his last day with him. And so he calls Lydia through Rufus's phone and they decide to uh, meet at the travel arena. So the travel arena is kind of like the make a moment place, but it's a little bit more realistic and it's, uh, you know, you can do, you can like tour the world there and you can see like exhibits of this, of like places around the world. That way you can actually like kind of feel like you've been there. So, uh, after that chapter, which is like, it's a, it's a nice chapter because you, you get to see that, uh, Mateo is kind of like opening up more and he wants to, spend more time with these people and he doesn't, he's not so afraid of, uh, their lives being utterly destroyed. He like wants to actually see them and spend time with them. And after that chapter is a shitty chapter with Peck. And basically the chapter boils down to Peck having a fucking gun and he's checking Rufus's Instagram to see like when he's going to be able to find him. So he's basically like sitting and stalking, uh, Rufus. And like I said, the chapters are very random, but they're placed very specifically. And it just like makes me feel so anxious reading those. So after that chapter, um, they get out and they're at the travel arena. The travel arena is like a pretty packed chapter because Lydia and Mateo kind of make up and, um, Lydia decides to like spend the day, with Mateo, like Mateo finally lets Lydia in and finally is like, yes, you can spend the day with us. And I guess she's, it's funny cause she's not like weird around Rufus. Like she doesn't feel any kind of way about him, which is interesting. And it's funny the way that Rufus and Mateo both like explain their last friend to people. They're like, this is my last friend. And then that's it. They don't like bring up anything else. And they just introduce each other to people. And it's like, that's that. There's no like questioning of it. And then after that, they get to the travel arena. Uh, That's where Lydia and Mateo and Rufus all meet up. And they're walking through um, the travel arena, like, and they decide on something exhilarating uh, for them to do. And it's cliff diving in the rainforest. So it's uh, called the Rainforest Jump. 
And they're talking about, like, they bring up the skydiving event, and Lydia's like, you went skydiving? And, uh, which is it's actually really funny. When Lydia asks, if, so the quote is, you went skydiving? Lydia asks. Her tone is both, are you crazy? And I'm super jealous. She's possessive in the most nurturing big sister way possible. I really like... Mateo's relationship with Lydia. And it's funny because at the beginning of the book, I think Lydia's description sounds like someone that doesn't necessarily like want to spend time with Mateo, but like does their friends. And as you like, you actually meet her and it sounds like, like Mateo is so much more important, which is something that I was glad to read because I was like, this kid doesn't have any actual friends and they make their way up to, to the rainforest jump while they're there at the rainforest jump, they get up there and Mateo's like, listen, if I'm going to do this, you're going to do it to Rufus. And Rufus has a fear of bodies of water. And he's just like, you know what? If you're going to take chances, so am I. So they get up there and they, three of them hold hands jumping down and Lydia lets go uh, before Mateo does for Rufus and it's kind of like a like you see the relationship building and you're just like oh I'm aware of this now and it's like so interesting to see something grow slowly but quickly at the same time and I it makes you wish that these kids like had known each other for like for longer like that it's a shame that they're like this is the day that they're meeting because they don't get another day. Once they hit the bottom of the water, um, Rufus actually hugs Mateo for making him jump, for, like for making him face his fears. And that, like, I, it was, I think that was such a beautiful thing, especially for Rufus, because he doesn't seem like an outwardly caring person like that. So for him to be like, hey, thanks, man, like you, you made me overcome this fear and you made me do this, it's really nice to read. So after that happens, uh, Rufus is like, okay, you made me like overcome my fears. I want you to overcome one of your fears. And it's being, so he's like, come to a Decker's club. Like, I want you to come out dancing with me. And Mateo, you don't get to hear, like, see what Mateo said, like answers immediately afterwards. Because after that chapter, it goes into a chapter about Officer Andrade. The officer that arrested the Plutos is deciding to, like, let the Plutos go. So he's like, you know, I'm I'm not looking for your friend. Like, I don't think anything's going to happen. I'm going to let you go. And he lets the boys go. And it's so amazing because that means that the Pluto boys will get to see Rufus one more time. At least, like, when I'm reading, I'm like, yes, I hope so. After that, it's a, it's a Peck chapter. And I literally, my note is, fuck you, Peck, in all caps. I love sticky notes. After that, um, they go to a place. So the place that uh, Rufus wants to take Mateo is called Clint's Graveyard. And it's a Decker's Club. And they don't necessarily check ages. So they just let people in. And it's a it's a club where people can do like karaoke, dancing. And while they're there, they get a FaceTime phone call from the Pluto Boys. And it's uh, Malcolm FaceTiming. And the boys all decide that they're going to meet up and have a good time. And the only problem is that Rufus posts a pic of the club's sign to Instagram. And that's, 
uh, how Peck knows where he is. The next chapter right after that is Peck. And it's, uh, I'll read the chapter because it's it's literally like three sentences. Got him, Peck says, hopping off his bed. Clint's graveyard. He puts a loaded gun in his book bag. We got to be fast. Let's go. So like, God fucking damn it, Peck. I hate this character so much, but he's such a driving force in it. And it stinks because the boys don't even know that he's, you know, coming after them because they, they, they think everything's done. Um, and the next quote uh, for the next part. So that was the ending of uh, part three, the beginning. Part four is called The End, and this is the quote uh, from Steve Jobs. No one wants to die. Even people who want to go to heaven don't want to die to get there. And yet death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it, and that as it should be, because death is very likely the single best invention of life. It is life's change agent. It clears out the old to make way for the new, and that's from Steve Jobs. So after the Peck chapter goes right into a Mateo chapter, and starts off with, this day has some miracles. I found a last friend in Rufus. Our best friends are joining us now on our end day. We've overcome fears, and we're now at Clint's graveyard, which receives high praise online. And this could be the perfect stage for me if I outgrow my insecurities in the next few minutes. Really cool thing about this club is that there's actually a karaoke bar inside, and there is a character named Becky singing a song, and it's definitely a nod to Becky Albertalli, which I honestly feel like their relationship. So Adam Silvera and Becky Albertalli um, seem like they have a really cool friendship, and they're actually writing a book together soon. So uh, I can't wait to read that, and I'm also like so in love with how friendly they are with each other. But there's a part right at the beginning of this chapter where Rufus kind of pats Mateo on the shoulder and he says it burns in a different way, almost like when Rufus held his hand. So you're definitely getting like more and more of this like this buildup. And so right after Mateo says that he has no song in mind, but he really wants to sing. Let's see, which song do they pick out? He decides to pick out American Pie, but right before he picks out which song it is, Rufus leans in and is like, Mateo, seriously, you sang to your dad earlier and stopped when I came in. No one is judging you. You're holding yourself back, and you have to go for it. And it's just like, oh my God, Rufus is really helping Mateo like live his life. And... I kind of, I really wish they met each other earlier than this. Okay, so <laughs> it gets to this part. So they're like having a really good time. They're dancing. And Rufus is like, thanks for reaching out to me over last friend. And Mateo's like, thanks for being the best last friend a closet case could ask for. I literally screamed. I have a sticky note that just says, um, and it's just like, Reading back through the notes, it's a lot more evident to me, but like seeing this now, I'm just like, oh my God, how did I miss this? So after that, Becky, the brunette from earlier, is called to the stage and she performs Otis Redding's Try a Little Tenderness. That's the song that she performs, and it's actually a character based on Becky Albertelli, as I was mentioning before. But um, after... Becky's song is done, she wishes uh, Mateo... Luck with the sweetest smile, and I pray she's not a decker, and if she is, I hope she passes without any regrets. Oh my god, like Adam Silvera, stop. And then they perform American Pie, <laughs> which is just like 
such a, a funny choice, but uh, it's really beautiful. And then after he performs, so they're singing together on stage. Uh, so after they perform uh, for eight minutes, um, oh my God, Mateo drags him off stage. And once they're behind the curtain, I look him in the eyes and he smiles like he knows what's about to go down. And he's not wrong. I kiss the guy who brought me to life on the day we're going to die. Finally, Rufus says when I give him a chance to breathe, and now he kisses me. What took you so long? Ah! Oh my God! Yeah, honestly, that's it. That's that's the whole book. I'm done, everyone. I don't I don't want to tell you the ending. But like right after that, they kiss for another couple of minutes, and then the Plutos uh, arrive, and it's honestly it's pretty cute after that but the next chapter is about a character named Howie Maldonado he is a uh, the actor from that that book series uh, the like pseudo Harry Potter series that's in this world um, the Scorpius Hawthorne series I believe it's called and Delilah is the one that this is a chapter about Delilah and Howie basically um, she wants to interview this guy. Like this is like the, the interview of a lifetime that she wants to get. He got the death cast phone call earlier in the day and they're in a, uh, a car together and she's with her boss and her boss is asking like questions and how it's just like, yeah, I don't really want to answer that. No, that's not a good question. That's not my thing. And Delilah starts asking questions and her boss is like, she's fired. Don't listen to her. Like she's getting out at the next light. And he starts responding more to her questions and having like a pretty good, um, a pretty good like rapport with him. And in this chapter, um, the car is cut off by um, two, like a set of kids running across the street and cutting this car off. And the car hits a wall and, Howie, you don't find out until afterwards, but the next chapter immediately after that one is The Gang With No Name. The death cast did not call this gang of boys today, and they're living as if it means their lives can't be over while they're alive. They run through the streets not caring about traffic, as if they're invincible against speeding cars and completely untouchable by the law. Two boys laugh as one car bangs into another, spinning out of control until it crashes against the wall. The third is too focused on reaching his target and pulling the handgun out of his backpack. So that's that's crazy. Um, and in the car, back to the car, uh, Howie is dead, but Delilah's still alive. And she's like, that's, that's, that's two for two. Like I've, I've survived two accidents. Well, three, actually three accidents that should have killed me and I'm still alive. So this has to be like a fake, like this has to be a mistake. And that goes back to one of the other characters who was giving out the phone calls, the one that called Mateo and she's made mistakes before with like names and it's almost like, is Delilah actually going to die? So after Delilah's chapter, um, it goes back to Rufus and they're dancing and have a good time. And it's a pretty just like, it's a it's a nice chapter because uh, Rufus gets to catch up with the Pluto boys um, and Amy. And they're just having a pretty good time. And it goes right into a Mateo chapter after that and they're dancing together just like the last one and while they're dancing Rufus kind of leans in and is like I wish we had more time I want to ride bikes through empty streets and spend a hundred dollars at an arcade and take the Staten Island Ferry just to introduce you to my favorite snow cones I lean into his ear 
I want to go to Jones Beach and race with you and race you to the waves and play in the rain with our friends. But I want quiet nights, too, where we talk about nonsense while watching bad movies. I want us to have history, something longer than the small window of time we're actually sharing with an even longer future. But the dying elephant in the room crushes me. I rest my forehead against his, the both of us sweating. I have to talk to Lydia. I kiss Rufus again before we break through the crowd. He grabs my hand from behind, following me through the path that I'm clearing. So he goes to have like a private moment with Lydia, and Lydia come like Lydia's like, "What's going on? Like, what's up?" And uh, he comes out to Lydia. He's like, "Hey, I have feelings for Rufus," and she's just like, "Okay." And <laughs> it's <laughs> it's pretty nonchalant. She's like, "Yeah, like it's fine. Everything's cool." And she's just like, what am I going to do without you? So he writes on one of the walls, like with a graffiti, I call them graffiti markers and I'm so bad at this. It's like a paint marker. And it says, Mateo was here and Lydia was by his side, as always. It's pretty cute. But after he does the graffiti, he feels like something's wrong and he looks over and he sees Amy standing in between the Plutos and another group of boys and he's I think he sees the gun come out yeah he sees the gun come out and he sees the gun come out and he kind of races over and it goes from the Mateo chapter to a Rufus chapter and Rufus is like holy shit this is like this is it I'm gonna I'm gonna die because of what happened and right as it's about to get bad there's a whole fight that breaks out but Mateo basically blindsides Peck, punches him, Peck drops the gun, Rufus grabs the gun and unloads it into the wall. A lot of people start running out of the club and it's like a whole, it's a whole kerfluffle, but Rufus unloads the gun into the wall so there aren't any bullets left for them to be harmed with and they run out and after that, so basically we're getting near to the end of the book. There's not too many pages left, but Mateo decides that um, he just wants to spend the rest of the night with Rufus, like in a quiet, safe place. And he's like, "Can we please go back to my my place and rest? And then maybe we can visit my dad again." And Rufus is like, "Yeah, like I've done everything I wanted to do today. Got to see my boys. Got to see Amy. You got to see Lydia. Let's go rest." So the rest of the book, um, and I think, oh wait, no, okay, it's so cute. So the last line from that chapter is Rufus squeezes my hand. Take me home, Mateo. Like, honestly, like, their relationship is so beautiful, and it's, it wasn't so, they, like, they truly got to, like, know each other for, like, really all of their flaws and everything that made them tick before it got to this point. And it wasn't, you know, a normal dating situation, and I think that's why this book is so special, because it it set up two people with you know, flaws that were very, not very evident, but like some more than others. And it makes you look at these people and realize that their flaws are like something that make them really special. And after that, Mateo brings Rufus upstairs and he's like playing piano. And I think he plays uh, your song from Moulin Rouge, which when I read, like when I started reading the lyrics, I was like, oh my God, he's reading your, he's like singing your song. And Rufus records him without him really like noticing and then he turns and he sees it happening and he like starts getting out of character and being like more energetic 
And after that, uh, Rufus is like, here, get in bed with me. So they like link up and they're laying together. And he's like, we can't die if we don't leave the safe space. The safe space is our little island. We aren't moving from here. We can't die if we don't move. You got me? <laughs> Maybe we'll smother each other to death, I say. Better than whatever hell is off our island. So after that, um, oh my gosh. So this is like the end of the book. And if I spell any more, uh, I don't want to tell you exactly. So, <laughs> all right, listen, this is the most, oh, okay. They're shoveling snow outside. This is the most spoilery part of this episode. I'm not going to say exactly how it happens, but there are some chapters. So basically, oh my gosh, how do I talk about the ending? Wow, I can't, I can't in full honestly talk about the ending, and it sucks. Long story short, I'll just say this. The boys both wind up at the same hospital as, as Mateo's dad, and Rufus goes up to meet him and lets, Rufus, uh, lets Mateo's dad know how like amazing uh, Mateo is and how like astounding he was and how he really, truly saved Rufus on his last day. And... He puts up the last picture that he took of the two boys together. So Rufus, his whole thing was like taking beautiful Instagram photos and like putting them up. And he puts up the last picture that he has of the two boys together onto his Instagram. And then the last part I'll talk about, because I can't give you the the actual ending. After he leaves the hospital, gosh, this is so hard to talk about. (laughs) It just stinks. Uh, Rufus is leaving the hospital and he puts on his headphones listening to the video of Mateo singing to him to go to Althea Park. Uh, and that's like what he does as he's going to Althea Park. And that is the last bit of the book I'm like, I'm going to give to you. I honestly, I can't, I cannot say enough that you need to go out and read this book. It's more than just, uh, two boys falling in love with each other. It's, it's really an examination of like, what do you do if you've been told that today is your last day? Like, what do you do? And it's amazing that these two strangers found each other and looked past their, their flaws and their insecurities and helped each other grow into really, I think more well-rounded human beings. And, it's just so sad that they only got the one day together, but like leave it to Adam Silvera to like tear your heart out and make you look at it and just go like, Oh wow, this is, this is a thing. And like, what do you, what do you think is important for your last day? Like what is like, what is most important to you in the world that you want to do? And how do you spend your last day? And I can't stress enough that Adam Silvera is such a talented writer. And I really think that any person would enjoy this book and it's really, I, I think it's such a beautiful story about two kids trying to navigate their way through life with no, they, they had, they really didn't have anyone. Um, they had their friends, but no parents. And that, that is such a big thing for kids that age too. But um, yeah, I, I can't stress enough that you need, you need to go out and read this book, guys. I honestly had such a, I had such a time reading it, like it. It really was thrilling, and it really was um, 
it was something that I, I actually think that I could read this book more than like, usually with certain books, I can't read them more than once because I'm like, okay, I'm done. I've read it. But I think that this is such a great book that I could definitely sit down and read it again and pick up on pieces that I missed. Like I was when I was reading it to you guys. So, um, that's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning back in for our part two of They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. And uh, thank you so much for listening to Superlit. My name is... <laughs> I always fuck this up. <laughs> My name is Brendan Patrick, and thank you so much for listening to Superlit. Superlit.